Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have expert Dr. William Shu, and he's going to talk to us all about fasting, the different types of fasting. And I have read and tried many different ways to fast. And yes, I am a fan of intermittent fasting. But then I've heard some more recent controversy surrounding intermittent fasting that made me switch. And one of the things I always say is I reserve the right to change my mind. And I say this all the time because new research comes out. Most of the things that I talk about, I base it on A, research, and then B, if it works for me, and then C, how it works for clients that I work with. So I am a registered holistic nutritionist. I do work with clients and I typically work with clients for three months at a time. If you do want to be one of my clients, send me an email, sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. Let me know and we can have a free wellness chat and see if we're a fit. Or you can follow me on Instagram at sandyknutrition or I'm on Facebook, sandyknutrition, Twitter, TikTok. Pinterest, you name it, I'm there. So back to this whole fasting thing. I'm really happy to have Dr. William Shu on it because he is a doctor who has had many, many years of experience as, uh, I think he was an endocrinologist for 20 years and he knows metabolism like no other. He understands fasting much better than people who put books out based on a 40-something-year-old male perspective, which I don't buy it because it's not the same for everyone. And we are all so unique. So people are talking about these three-day fasts where all you do is drink bone broth. I did one for 72 hours. And after that 72 hours, it was a bone broth fast. I got so sick. So it really affected my immune health. Then there are people who intermittent fast every single day, which now I'm, I don't really buy it because I think that that can contribute to issues with gallbladder stagnation or peristalsis. So think of your gallbladder as something that's constantly being used, right? Not constantly, but you know, you it's it's a little sack that holds the bile to break down and emulsify fats that you eat. And it's all fats. So your liver will spurt out the the bile and your gallbladder comes in to help out to break down these fats. When you intermittent fast, you can go for very long periods of time where that gallbladder is just sitting there doing nothing. And when you do that repeatedly every single day, 
They're saying that can result in gallstones and gallbladder issues. So, you know, it's like with everything that I always talk about, I always say too much of one thing is never good and a balanced life is always best. So I am not saying don't intermittent fast. I do it. I just don't do it every single day. And I do see that there are a couple of studies out there that support what I just talked about regarding the gallbladder. So anyway, it's uh, definitely a lot to look at when it relates to fasting. Now, what I will say, though, about fasting is that there is definitely benefit to it. How you do it, you're going to have to discuss that with yourself and your doctor, see what's best. What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? There are many different ways to do it. Speak with your holistic health practitioner, someone like myself. I can help figure out what is the right way if fasting is the right thing for you. So with that, make sure you go and follow me on all of my platforms. And I think you're going to really love this interview with Dr. William Shu. And I am ending my contest to win a $300 value DNA biological age test kit. The only way you can win this is if you rate, review, and subscribe. And you're going to have to review with a few kind words. Let me know you've done this and I will enter you into a draw. The draw closes on November the 30th. So be sure to do this. And send me an email and let me know you've done this. Sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. And now I'm going to cut on through to the interview with Dr. William Shu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, we have a great topic and I have an amazing expert. We're going to talk all things fasting related and the fasting mimicking diet. So my special guest today is Dr. William Shu. He spent 20 years of a distinguished career as an endocrinologist at Harvard Jocelyn Diabetes Center. Dr. Shu is a Cornell graduate. He received his medical degree from Mount Sinai School of Medicine. He completed his internal medicine residency training at Yale School of Medicine and completed his fellowship training in endocrinology and metabolism at Harvard Medical School. He was assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School as well. Now, he has quite the education and experience, and Dr. Shu joined El Nutra in 2019 as chief medical officer he leads the clinical development effort at El Nutra, oversees the medical affairs department, and advances the education and adoption of fasting and fasting mimicking diet as an innovative tool to extend human health span. Whew, like that's quite the resume, Dr. Yeah. Shu. Welcome. I am so excited to talk to you about all things fasting. Well, thank you, uh, Sandy. It sounded like you were introducing my evil twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I don't think 
Uh, okay, I have talked about fasting, I don't even know how many, countless times, and I don't think I could have a better expert than yourself to talk to us all about this, but of course, I'm going to ask you first, how did you get into this practice of endocrinology to begin with? Yeah, that really uh, dates back to over 20 years ago. I think I was just uh, you know, all inspired by the human body and um, you know, the hormone system. Hormonal system is, is amazing. Um, it, it affects generally every cell in the body without having a connection to every cell in the body. It all goes through these hormones that flow through the blood vessels, goes through every uh, cells of the body. And they're, they're the messengers. And the interactions and the regulations of hormones is, I think, one of the, the, the least uh, tapped areas in human medicine. And it has such a profound effect on not only the way our body works, but also the way we feel subjectively about our, our health. And so, uh, so and, and in particular, I was drawn to the whole area of obesity and diabetes and the link between them. And that uh, um, once I jump on that bandwagon, I never look back. It's, it's been um, over the last 20 years, if you look at our, our country, if, if not the global challenge in healthcare, uh, pandemic aside, now that's like the hottest topic, <laughs> but the pandemic aside, there is another epidemic behind that. You know, that is, we're all cooked up at home, we're gaining weight, uh, we're losing our metabolic health. And, and I think the whole area of endocrinology, weight management, uh, our hormonal well-being, it's front and center. Now still hidden under this this major pandemic we're experiencing right now, but I think it's going to rear its ugly heads uh, even after we deal with the pandemic. Yeah, I I mean, I try and keep up with all of the research that's coming out. And even in the last year and a half, you know, the pandemic, they've they've talked about blood sugar a lot as a huge risk factor, correct? Elevated blood glucose levels. They've talked about obesity as a huge factor. Now, what you're doing is extremely important work for now, from even before, but even in the future. So I actually really was excited when I knew I was going to get to interview you because I have so many questions. So how does fasting come into all of this with metabolic health? Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting, you know, uh, we're talking about fasting as if this is a new trend. It is, in fact, a new trend. <laughs> if, you look, if you look at uh, the latest survey, 10% of uh, all Americans are practicing some sort of fasting, intermittent fasting. I mean, five years ago, it wasn't like that. But we're talking about it as if this were something new. But in fact, fasting has always been part of our biology, if you think about the days before, you know, the days of the hunter and gatherers, uh, our ancestors didn't quite eat three, four meals a day. <laughs> they hunted, they feasted, and then they go through or they went through periods of fasting until the next hunt or mm -hmm. the or the sort of the next availability uh, availability of food. So this mechanism of how the body 
uh, deals uh, with fasting has been built in into our health system, into our health, into our body for millions and millions of years, right? Yeah. And so when we look at uh, all, all all of our challenge around uh, gaining weight, around obesity and diabetes, it fundamentally has to do with how we are consuming our diet, how we are eating uh, our food, not only the amount of food. But the new conversation around uh, the amount and the quality and the quantity, uh, the additional dimension right now is actually the timing of our eating. So it's no longer simply about how much we're eating, but also how much time you're not eating, because nature has designed that periods of fasting to be time where it cleans up the body, where it rejuvenates the cells, where it really gets to the bottom. Uh, uh, you know, mechanism of how the cells stay healthy, and that's the very mechanism we're tapping uh, into through intermittent fasting or or through the prolonged fasting. We're always eating, right? We're never giving a chance for rest and for repair. Is that what you mean by fasting? So just that rest, that time for the body to do the processes it needs to do all the repairs. To like, what do you what do you say about that part of it? Yeah, you're right. Our concept of rest is like do nothing. Yeah. But the reality is, the cells are very smart. When we don't introduce food into the body, the cells is doing something. What is it doing? It's actually doing cleanup. It's actually doing rejuvenation.、Um, and, and what does that mean, right? So. The cells get signals from nutrients when they see good stuff come into the body—the carbohydrates, the proteins. They say, "Oh, it's time to grow," and so they multiply, they grow, and they sustain all the activities. But when there is no signals of nutrients coming in, also known as the fasting period, the cells don't just sit there. You know,、uh, especially if that period is prolonged, like in our in in during our ancestors' times, where foods weren't that. But plentiful, the cells actually anticipate and they experience. They say, "Hey, there's no food coming in, right? We're gonna do something to keep the cells going." So they're actually,、uh, you know, actively clearing out some of the cellular junks from the cells, and so they will replace some of the older components, part of the cells. We call the organelles a very technical term, but they simply means these are the, the mitochondria and some of the cellular components. The older ones, the ones that don't function very well, the cells have this way of prioritizing which one is newer, which one is older, which one is working better, which one is not working better, and they would throw away and recycle those, and to, in order to make new components, knowing that nutrients is not coming in the foreseeable future. So think about that. That's actually a, a survival mechanism in times where we don't have a lot of calories. And and but today we could actually leverage that cellular mechanism to rejuvenate our body to get our our, our cells healthier. Now, are you referring to、um, one of the mechanisms like of autophagy? Because that word has been used a lot, and isn't fasting one of the methods to stimulate autophagy within the body? Yeah, that's a new term to describe what happens in the body that have, we've seen across from you know simple organisms such as yeast to fruit flies to rodents to mammals and to humans. It, it turns out that autophagy process has been conserved 
through all these uh, these uh, biologic species. And yes, it does happen in our body. And, and that term is a big word, right? Autophagy yeah. uh, means autophagy, means self-eating. And, and it's a term that was actually uh, so important in the cellular function. And the discoverer uh, of that mechanism of autophagy was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2016, uh, Professor Otsumi in Japan. And, and it really opens up the, our understanding that the stress, universal stress such as fasting, and I call it universal because it affects every cell in the body, right, has an amazing impact on our entire body. So to make a comparison to this. When we take a medicine, the medicine is so specific to a specific enzyme, so pathways in the body, it only affects one, but brings many side effects, right? Yeah. When we do, when we go through fasting, which is a mechanism that the, the nature has designed over millions of years, it affects all the cells in the body. The brain has to respond to it. The heart has to respond to it. You know, the, the fats in the body have to respond to it. The muscle have to respond to it. It's almost like, you know, when, when we don't, uh, um, when a company or our family doesn't have income for a day or two, it's like, okay, you know, let's, let's just, it's vacation. But if it's a week, you start get, getting worried. When it's a month, the company will say, hey, we have to be sure to, to restructure in order to meet this deficiency in the funding. And so there's restructuring happening and the company becomes more lean, right? Mm -hmm. Becomes more efficient. Now, obviously, you don't, you don't, you don't want that, that, you know, that, that lack of funding to go on forever and ever no, because no. the company will go bankrupt, right. right? And so there is that fine line of fasting, how to do it safely and effectively. The cells is going through the same, it's going through the same uh, process, right? There's no energies coming in, right? So it's got to make sure that it can survive. So it's going to adjust. It's going to recycle uh, some of the cellular components. And it turns out that it's alteration of that fasting and then feeding, fasting and then eating, fasting and nourishment is the repeated cycle that is so fundamental to healthy aging. Okay, so speaking of healthy aging, so what are all the benefits that one would say? So if somebody came to you and said, okay, well, Tell me why I would even want to fast. Well, what what can I benefit from doing this? Yeah, so uh, generally I, um, I I look at the fasting uh, benefits in four different levels, okay. right? So one, the, the deepest one, and often we don't experience in, in a very conscious way is what happens on the cellular levels, right? As I described to right. you, uh, you will see with fasting, you, you, you have a reduction in uh, IGF-1 level, uh, and that is a, a, home, uh, a hormone that's going to signify the overall nutritional st status of the body. It shows that your cells are going through that stress, and it's responding to the stress. So you have cellular rejuvenation. The second level is the most obvious one. When you fast, what happens to your body? You lose weight. Yes. You know, but the good news is that the weight loss that people uh, go through is actually the the fat that they want to lose. Fasting is very different than low-calorie diet. For a low-calorie diet, right, it lose everything. You lose the fat, you lose the muscle, you lose many things, okay? But fasting is a selective fat burner. Yes. Meaning that, you know, when you go through fasting, you're losing the fat around your mid-trunk, 
and you're sparing the muscle. And that's, that's actually really good news for us, right? And fasting, you don't have to do it uh, every day, right? Uh, you could do it a couple of days. And you could, you know, we talk about different types of fasting. But a low-calorie diet, you have to, to go through weeks, if not months, to see results. Yes. So the weight loss, the quick weight loss is, is number two. You know, you lose weight while preserving uh, your lean body mass. Okay. Number three, the, the benefits of fasting, number three, is on the emotional level. I think uh, all of us, uh, you know, may be excited about losing a pound or two, but, but experiencing that, that renewal of energy, feeling the, the, the sort of the, um, a change in your mindset, um, it breaks the relationship with food as well you know, as you go through fasting. Uh, because it, remember, it also affects what goes on in the brain. And after you cut off that addiction to food for a couple of days, um, it changes, you know, your perception of the food that you were addicted to. So it changes relationship with food. Okay. okay? And then and the fourth uh, changes, I would say, is the behavior change. A lot of people who practice intermittent fasting or periodic fasting, that's a low, longer form of, fa- of fasting, um, uh, they change their behavior. They're more focused on their health, right? Uh, their their food choices uh, change, and uh, and so these four different levels of, of impact is what every physician wants to see happening in their patients, and every consumer wants to happen in their own bodies. Yeah, I actually love it for that reason because it's not it's you know when you go on a diet, you're like told don't eat this, don't eat this, reduce this, reduce this. Whereas fasting is more like you know what. Just give yourself a little bit of a break, and your body's yes. going to reward you for it, which I love. Yeah, I often say give yourself a break, a pause, a fast. You'd be surprised what how, how much good it's going to do for your body and for your mind as well. Yeah, it's it's great for brain fog, right? Which we know a lot. I know a lot of women midlife going through perimenopause, menopause. They experience pretty extreme brain fog. Just that inability to really focus and think clearly. Do you think that might have something to do with, you know, the glucose levels and the constant feeding? Absolutely. You know, um, the brain can, can use alternative fuels other than carbohydrate. Yes. Okay. And in fact, uh, the brain from time to time does need that break from the high sugar level uh, that we so saturate the body. Mental clarity is definitely one of the things that, that's mostly com- commonly reported by people practicing fasting. So, so Sandy, you're absolutely right. A lot of people uh, do report feeling more energetic and, and experiencing mental clarity um, uh, during their fast. Now, if you're a fast time, first time faster, it could be a little bit hungry. You could go through a little bit of discomfort. Much like the first time you ever, you know, do a weightlifting at a gym, right? The next day you're going to have muscle sore <laughs> or when you do yoga the first time, right? You know, that's so true. And it's so funny because I actually work with a personal trainer I have for three and a half years. And she said, Sandy, you know, it's so funny because you were so uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm like, I love that saying. Well, sometimes we need to go through that little bit of discomfort in order to reap the rewards, right? Yes, and, and it is, it's, uh, it's really true that, uh, you know, no exercise uh, just by doing once is going to give you the lasting benefit. Right. 
Fasting is almost like that exercise equivalent, right? It does so many good things for your body, but you can't just do it once. Right. And, and, and each time you do it, you, you adapt to it more and more. You know, it's almost like a, if you, I'm not sure if you're a runner or maybe your listeners, uh, among the, the listeners, there could be some runners. When people first time, when they go on jogging, you know, they, they stop into five minutes into the run. They say, oh, I can't go on. I, I just don't have energy. I'm puffing. The puffing, part of it is cardiovascular function. But part of it is that you're using up the glycogen in your muscle. And now you have to turn to fat as a fuel. And guess what? For all our lives, we've been eating 24-7. <laughs> we've never really tapped into all the, those fats as a source of fuel. So the first time it's, it's burning fat, it's going to go through a little bit of that transition. And, and a lot of people, some people call it the keto flu. Some people, you yes, know, I've uh, heard you know that. sort of the, the, the discomfort of, of fasting. But guess what? If you continue running the second day, the third day, the fourth day, that switch over from burning carbohydrate or preference for burning carbohydrate for what we call glycogen, right, in the muscles and in, in, in the liver, to burning the fat you so desperately want to get rid of, you become more metabolically flexible. Much like physically flexible, right? Yeah. Physical flexibility when we're stretching our muscles, when, we, when you go on fasting regimens, when you go through fasting experiences, one time, two times, three times, you become more metabolically flexible. You're able to switch from, from the sugar burning to fat burning very readily. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for the body. Yeah, except this is a, it's, it is different than the keto diet. I mean, I did the keto diet quite a few years ago, and then um, it just stopped working for me. And then I actually turned yeah. to fasting myself. I feel like women in midlife have to be careful with like a keto diet, whereas um, there are different types of fasting, ways to fast. And maybe you want to... Yes. Tell me about that because I personally do usually four days. I also work out fasted um, in a fasted state. Um, I drink water and I take amino acids just in its purest form before I work out. And I feel for myself that this really kind of helps me manage my weight. So... Talk to me about, and I have done a 72-hour fast, um, and it was a bone broth fast. So maybe let's get into all the different ways that we can do this, where even entry level, let's start with entry level. If you've never fasted before, you're one of those people who says, absolutely not, I can never go without food. What would you say to them to start? Yeah, so Sandy, wow, you're quite an experienced faster. I am. <laughs> I am. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that we should always start with something that's the simplest, right, which is really intermittent fasting. And, yes. And uh, one of the most common ways people fast is by going through what's called time-restricted eating. Uh, so it's simply... Uh, try to stay the amount of uh, all their eating period within a, a either a 12-hour window or 8-hour window. So we generally call that the 16-8, where yes. you eat everything within 8 hours, right? 
and then uh, and then you fast for the sixteen hours. Um, you know, from 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 our historic perspective, uh, our ancestry probably practiced twelve twelve to start with, right? That's the, probably the most um, uh, consistent with our circadian rhythm. Yes, because the sun rises and then you eat, and then when the sun sets, you stop eating. I think everybody should practice twelve twelve. Okay, and that is the right, you know, circadian rhythm for the body. When you're about, when the sun goes down, your your body should be getting ready to to go through that rejuvenation rather than you know thinking about growth. Now, for those of us who uh, have metabolic goals, want to lose a little bit of more weight, wanted to really leverage the metabolic benefits of fasting, you could stretch that fasting period from 12 hours, maybe to 14 hours, maybe to 16 hours. Now, just remember. As you stretch out those fasting period, that means more stress for the body. Stress is not necessarily bad. I mean, look, if, if our professors in college never had uh, gave us tests, we would never study, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, totally. It's the stress that that causes our body to change, right? Yeah. Fasting is almost like this, right? You know, uh, the analogy I like to use for fasting is is every college student knows that they should be studying every single day, right? Everybody knows that that you should be studying every day, review what the the prof is saying during the day, and review at night. That's the best way to do this. The reality, I don't know about you, Sandy, but for me, I never studied that way. Oh my god, I was crammed before the exam, right? Yep. Now, did it work? Well, we all survived through cramming. Fasting is almost like that, right? We know that we should be eating uh, well every single day. We should be exercising every single day, but it's difficult to do. And so instead of doing nothing, hey, fasting is one one of those situations where you let the body experience that stress, which caused the body to turn. So so if you would uh, tolerate that analogy, I would say that that intermittent fasting, as you fast a little longer, the stress goes a little bit more the more benefits there is to you, but you cannot do it too often or too much. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to... Affect your you immune know, system, back. right? It can affect your immune system, can't it? If you do it too can, much, too long, too often. Yes. Right? Yes, and, and that's really the balance here. And, and so, so I think, you know, every, everyone, like almost everybody, I mean, you can never say every, right? But right. almost every, every one of your listeners should start with 12-12 intermittent fasting. Okay. And as they have very specific goals, want to lose weight, they can increase that fasting window, right? But remember, as you increase the fasting window, as you lengthen the fasting window, the more stress is going to be for your body. So you should take a break from time to time. Okay, so can I ask you a question? So let's say you're doing the 12-12. So we're going to not eat anything for 12 hours. And then we are going to have a 12-hour window where we can eat. During that eating window, what is your opinion on people who just eat their three meals and then they snack and it's like they're cramming? Because I know of some people who do that. Yes. Yes, I mean, there's an ideal answer and there's a pragmatic answer. Okay. Right? The, the, the ideal answer is don't do that, you know, try to eat better, right? The pragmatic answer is even even with that, those are the people who have eating urges. If you don't limit that to 12 hours, they're still going to spill out those behavior into the other 12 hours uh, of their uh, of their waking hours, you see? Yeah. So, so 
by putting a parameter and by not limiting what they're eating, you know, instead of 18 hours eating all the time, now it's 12 hours eating all the time. You know, I think human behavior dictates that the total amount of food that you're eating is still going to be restricted uh, simply by reducing the number of hours you're eating. And guess when we really binge eat is generally late at night, right? True. A lot of people eat not only because of hunger, they eat out of out of emotional needs. They eat, you know, out of a, of a behavior pattern, right? Out of loneliness, right? Yes. And, and so by intentionally limiting to the number of hours that you would consume when the sun rises and the stop eating when the sun, you're limiting many hours where you're doing emotional behavior eating rather than out of hunger. Okay. Yeah, I like that because it's interesting. I'm sure you know who Dr. Jason Fung is as well. Right. And, um, you know, like I, I've, I've read his books as well. He wrote the obesity code a while, like quite a few years ago, but you know, he talks about how fasting is actually quite easy in the sense that you're not telling somebody who's lived their entire life eating bread and pizza to never eat bread and pizza again, but just to eat it during a certain period of time. Right? It's like almost like baby steps. Right? Yes. Would yes. you would does that make sense? Yeah, and also don't think of fasting as something entirely foreign. Hey, everybody fasts, believe it or not. We do. When we're sleeping, we fast. Yes, of course we do. <laughs> Unless right? Yeah. So it's only a matter of the timing of your fasting. It's not a foreign concept. So the twelve twelve, I think, is one of the easiest way to get us started on this. Okay. But it's not the end because, in addition to the the intermittent fasting, there is another type of fast, which is really really characterizes the way humans fasted for history. Okay. In, in, throughout all of history, that is what's called some people call it the periodic fast. Some people call it the prolonged fast. I call, simply call it the long fast versus the short fast. If you look at all the religions of the world, right, of every ethnic group, there are always some stories of fasting, some patterns of fasting. Yeah. Those are never just the sun down, the sun up uh, kind of eating, but rather they fast for a couple of days. Now, that's very different than intermittent fasting. Why is that? Because intermittent fasting is intermittently. That stress is intermittent. It's never enough stress for the cells to say, my goodness, there's no food coming in. Hey, in a couple hours, the food's coming in, right? Yeah. So the cells never had uh, enough stress to, to trigger autophagy. Now science has revealed that these long fasts is truly the key to cellular rejuvenation. So we know, for example, the first day you're, you're burning up, uh, using up all the sugar stored in your body. Second day, you begin to shift into fat burning. And somewhere there, probably between the second and third day, that's when autophagy really gets uh, activated. Now, so it's not only until two, three days and per perhaps for a few more days that you truly tap into that cellular rejuvenation. So how often should someone like, okay, so we, we've already talked about the small, like intermittent fasting, 12, 12, let's yeah. do a 16, eight. And that's what I usually do. But now you're talking yeah. about a few days. So that's when autophagy is, is actually triggered. 
Yeah. But how often should somebody do something like this? Yes, Sandy, that's such a good question because this is when like 98% of your audience just tunes out now because it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how can I eat, not eat for three days? Yeah. I, mean, I, I often joke if we go to a conference and they don't feed us, we say that's a terrible conference. Yeah, we need how, some food. How good the content is, right? <laughs> yeah, give us some food. Yeah. So, so this is really the conundrum here, you know? The, the historic fast that people use, religious uh, fast people uh, do, uh, often involve a longer period of time than what we're used to. And, but that's also where the science is showing that you, you get some of these deepest impact, right, will be brought on. And the reality is, hey, it's difficult to do, number one. And number two, don't forget, it may not be very safe uh, for many of you, our listeners here. Right. That they may have a health conditions which which that prolonged fasting would be entirely unacceptable from a safety standpoint. Right. This is also why, Sandy, you know, I, I made a career change uh, two years ago to, to join uh, Alnitra as a company where we're thinking about, well, on one hand, we know the benefit of fasting, but how do we come up with a product that can support many of the benefits of fasting without the burdens or the safety issues yes. that, 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 that comes with, with prolonged fasting. Okay, so how is that? Talk to me. Yeah, and so this is where, where uh, our founder, Professor Volta Longo, who is a professor at the University of Southern California, who is an a, um, um, aging expert, yes. uh, came up with the fasting-mimicking diet. And we simply call it the FMD. It's a five-day kit. It's a meal kit. It has bars, soups, and it's scientifically formulated uh, to mimic fasting uh, for five days. So that normal people, <laughs> not the superheroes among us, but the average Joes like me, can go through that five-day uh, fasting experience without totally be shutting out of nourishment. And, and that's really the, the, the angle for the fasting mimicking diet. Okay, so... All right, let me, I did that 72-hour fast, and all I did was drink um, ketones and broth, okay? And I will say, after, and <laughs> this is why I, I, I'm, I, I, I want to hear more about the FMD, fasting mimicking diet, because you're saying it's a safer method. Because after I did that, I got very sick, like run down. So yeah. I typically don't get colds. I have a pretty robust immune system. And somehow something happened during that time where I wasn't supporting my body enough. And we did talk about the stress and how stress is good, but too much stress cannot be good, yeah. right? So I'm thinking that's what yeah. happened to me. So how would the fasting mimicking diet prevent this? Yeah, I think what you experience is almost like me inviting you to run a marathon when we, we, we had gone, uh, got, you know, not gone through any training for it, right? So exactly, it's a lot. Yeah, now, it's a I lot. Think, uh, <laughs> I think it not only make you hungry, but it also make you angry. Yeah. And uh, some people call it the term hangry, right? Yeah, H-A-N-G-E-R-Y. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So... Like, what comes in this? Like, this is interesting to me yeah. because it seems yeah. to me like it's more doable. 
Yeah, so so I think it, it, I think it is really helpful for us to understand how is it possible that you could provide nourishment uh, at the same time exposing you to fasting. Right. Because not all nourishment is the same. Let me explain. You see, how do the cells know whether they should go into this rejuvenation mode or growth mode? Remember, when they see nutrients, they grow. Yes. <laughs> when they don't see nutrients for a prolonged period of time, they say, hey, we've got to recycle, right? And we want more of that recycling. And so uh, Professor Longo, you know, understood the mechanism uh, as to how these cells are sensing these nutrients coming into the body because every cell has these eyes and ears that could sense whether nutrients is around or not, right? So the trick is that you've got to provide nutrient below the, the threshold, the detection threshold of these eyes and ears. Oh. So if you give it small enough, but in the right proportion, in a scientifically formulated proportion, then you can actually nourish the body, giving body enough, enough resources so they don't go nutritionally bankrupt but at the same time, keep them in their rejuvenation state. It's almost like the company uh, example I mentioned a little earlier, right? The companies go through, you know, uh, it's missing income for a couple of weeks. The company is going through structural changes. Hey, but if you give them 20% of the budget, 30% of the budget, it's going to continue to survive and restructure without going bankruptcy. Yeah, I like that analogy. That's a very good analogy. Yeah, and so the fasting mimicking diet was designed to provide just enough nourishment, but still keep the cells in the fasting state. And and that technology was sponsored by the National Institutes of Health. Uh, we've had over $36 million of funding from the NIH, as well as from the European Union, to looking at how this technology can help to support healthy aging and cellular rejuvenation and weight loss. Because during this fasting mimicking diet, you're triggering the autophagy, you're doing all the good things that come from longer term fasting, right? Yes. And still trick the cells to think that, hey, there's there's not enough foods, right, to grow. So so uh, you know, I think the, the contrast to the fasting mimicking diet is people wanted to try their own way of fasting, right? So, hey, what if I do bone broth? Yes. What if I do juicing? What if I do low calorie? Uh, I think, you know, there's potentially ways to do that, but how would you know, you know, how much nutrient is really needed to avoid that detection by the ears and eyes of these cells for, for the presence of nutrients is really hard to gauge. And that's why, you know, the, the fasting mimicking diet right now in its commercial offering has been used in over a million users right now or uh, 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 over a million product, uh, uh, FMD product, has been used in people. And so we have the safety data to back that up. Okay, well, I like that, the safety data, because that will lead me to my next question. When you're working with midlife women who are in perimenopause or menopause and already have a lot of health challenges, how would the fasting mimicking diet help them and would it affect their already, um, I would call it, an upheaval of hormones? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th th this perimenopausal time is a period of a lot of changes. As You know, you, you don't need me to tell you this. I no. think your audience... 51 uh, here. experienced that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it. You know, it's not just physical changes, but emotional changes, hormonal changes. Yeah. It's a time of a lot of instability. Yes. Right? 
and that transition is really hard to, to experience. And, and the hardest thing is that we all know what we need to do in terms of diet and exercise and, and emotional health. But the reality is, it's a lot of work to do this day in and day out. I think as an endocrinologist, I, I you know, took care of a lot of patients struggle with metabolic conditions. The biggest challenge is always how do you connect what they know in the, in the mind and connect with what's in their heart. That distance is really hard to get, you know, to, to bridge the gap. You know, many of your listeners are very knowledgeable, right? They read, they talk, they yep. listen to other experts. They already know they should be exercised. The reality is they can't do it. They're too busy. They're going through a life of transition. It's very challenging for them to, to make that commitment to a lifestyle change. The fasting mimicking diet or fasting, if your body allows you to do that, can be done periodically. That's why it's called periodic fast, right? No more than once a month, probably three to five days. The fasting mimicking diet was designed for five days. But if, you, if your, your health allows you to do that, fasting for a couple of days, but don't do it too often. Right, do it a couple of days, and then you need that 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 rest of the month to recover. Mm-hmm. This is really important. It's almost like running a marathon. You cannot run a marathon every week. You actually need to allow the body to 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 restore and to get back to its right. It's like wringing sponge dry, and now after that 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 fasting, the most important period is the refeeding period. Yes. Right, that period is where the body is so hungry for all the good nutrients. That is the time we gotta make sure we give clean food, plant-based clean food back to the body. Remember, it's not just the fasting which is good for the body. That's only half the story. It's the fasting, then the nourishment. Fasting, then the nourishment. Right, that 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 cycling. It's like the yin and yang of the health. If you simply exercise and don't rest. The muscle will never recover, and yeah. that's bad for your health. And so, I would recommend for your listener, you know, if you could do it on your own, if you're clear by your physician to do prolonged fasting, experience that no more than once a month for a couple of days, right? With the fasting mimicking diet, you can do it for for five days straight, and then you rest for the twenty five days without having to do a lot for the twenty five days. And then you re- repeat a couple of times. We have study that shows that three to four cycles of the fasting-making diet is equal to everyday commitment to a heart-healthy diet. It's the same benefits. Oh, wow. That's, and that's, that was a human study that you're referring that's to? That's a human study. A couple of years ago, we published a, a group of people um, and that there were healthy individuals just like you and me who desire to have a healthy aging, who wants to live a a uh, healthful lifestyle and we we randomized them to to group that was on this monthly cycle versus people who just do nothing and we showed lots of benefits most recently we conducted the study that also show the concept that periodic fasting with fasting mimicking diet has many of the same benefits as an everyday heart healthy diet a everyday commitment to 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 uh, a good nutritional um, uh, lifestyle. We all know we all should be doing, we all should be studying every day in college, but the fact is most of us cram. And hey, cramming from time to time can can work really well for us as well. Now, during this uh, fasting period, is coffee allowed? I'm just curious because people are going to ask. That's, that's, 
That's actually a very common question. Yeah. Um, just like everything in moderation is, is key here. <laughs> yeah. Coffee itself uh, can be very good for your health. But during the fasting, coffee can also activate what's called protein kinase uh, pathway. That's one of the nutrient sensing pathways. And so when oh. you give too much coffee, the cells going to say, hey, there's nutrients and it's not going to go into the rejuvenation state. But how much is, is allowed? Anywhere less than 130 uh, milligrams of caffeine. That's generally a cup, uh, an ounce cup of coffee, I think is still allowable uh, during the fasting. With cream? Or no cream. No, we couldn't. It's black. It it has (laughs) has to be black. black. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Why? Because the cells are so smart. When you provide proteins and dairy, they're going to say, hey, nutrients. And then they're not not going to go into that rejuvenation state that we talked about, right? They they typically say, hey, there's a little bit of a signal for growth because there's nutrients right now. They're not going to completely go into that rejuvenation state. I think that's where there is a big... Um, myth out there about fasting because you know I obviously I'm always looking at what all the so-called experts are saying and some say you can have coffee with cream some say you can have coffee with butter some say you can have coffee with MCT oil some say you get what I'm saying like everybody's saying different things yeah but and it's hard to know What's fact? What's truth? Because I know I'll do my fasting, Dr. Shu. I'll do my fasting, but I have my one cup of coffee with what would that be? Um, I don't know, a tablespoon or two teaspoons of, of cream. I do that. So I guess I'm yeah. technically not, I'm giving that signal to my body of nutrients, correct? That's right. That's, that's exactly right. I, I think, uh, uh, it's a it, it's it's a very tricky fine line. Here, yeah. Right? How, how do you nourish the body while you're fasting? It we we don't tell people to fast. We actually want people to fast with food because we know it's more pragmatic. But there is a lot of nuances there because when you give the body too much nutrients, the body's going to say, "Hey, it's just low calories. I'm not going to go into rejuvenation. I'm just going to I'm just going to yes, I will lose weight. Will I lose weight? Yes, because it's a low calorie diet." but you're not going to get those deep cellular rejuvenation that we we so desire. Okay. And is there any group that you would say this is absolutely not good for? I know that we all have to go and speak with our own medical doctors, so there are no medical claims here. Talk to your own medical physician. However, of all the studies that you have done, is there any one group that would not be good for this? You know... I'm going to obviously give very general advice, right? Yeah. And yeah. each person is different. So I do follow up with with, uh, with what you had said a little earlier. Talk to your own doctor. But generally, I think the, the number one group that should not be on a fasting is people who struggles with eating disorder. Oh, makes people sense. People who have history, yeah, with, with either anorexia or bulimic uh, or a combination of both. Uh, I, I think it, this is just something that they need to talk to their therapists and physicians before they start. That's number one. Number two, um, people who are, um, who are, this is a little bit controversial because <laughs> I'm about to put a, a limit on the age because, <laughs> you know, that 
everybody's uh, body is different, right? Regardless of their age. I mean, some 75 years old uh, are healthier than 65 year old, right? Yes. So it's kind of hard to say, but we generally say if you're age 70 and older, talk to your doctor because during fasting, especially if you've never fasted before, you don't know how your body's going to respond to that, right? You may be dehydrated. Uh, you, you may not know uh, what's going to do to your your uh, uh, your alert level, right? Your your level of alertness. So, and we don't want you to fall. So be careful. You know, you start with simple fasting, like intermittent fasting. And if you want to try the longer long fast, then maybe talk to your doctor about that. Okay, that makes and sense. And another group is certainly if you're pregnant, uh, if you're breastfeeding, this is not the time to think about that. So these are some of the general guidelines. That totally makes sense. And then there's also the fact of um, people who are on medications, right? So could... Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly... Yeah, you've got to be very careful. Uh, talk to your doctor about that, especially if you are taking insulin for diabetes or if you're taking pills that has the potential to lower your blood sugar. Right, right. And then, um, you know, for me, I know you would know because you're an endocrinologist. Um, so many different things can affect my thyroid medication absorption and what's going on with my thyroid meds. So I'll talk to my own endocrinologist yeah. before I... There we go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they, maybe a, a, a tidbit there is uh, thyroid medicine is best taken on an empty stomach. So, hey... It, you're right i actually take mine at four in the morning believe it or not because i just it's like an automatic clock for me i just do that but okay so here's a question for you would fasting like this help with individuals who have some sort of insulin resistance or dysregulation would it help to reset the insulin receptors. Does that yeah. help with that? Yeah, that, that's a very uh, scholarly question, uh, Sandy. Uh, I think, you know, we know when people lose weight, um, the body functions better, right? When, when, when an individual with diabetes regulates their, their daily intake of nutrients, their blood sugar gets better. Mm -hmm. So if you do fasting in the right way, right, it should iron out a lot of the variabilities in their lives, yeah. right? It can introduce a period of rest for their body as well. Now, um, in, in uh, the question about insulin uh, resistance or, or on, the, on the, the insulin action, I think uh, it's fair to say that any lifestyle changes that's consistent with calorie intake, that's consistent you know, with evening out sort of the variabilities in their lives, variabilities in their metabolic profile uh, should be something that they should bring to their doctors and talk about whether that's the best way for them. For but sure. It seems to be very promising. I think a lot of research are really turning their attention on not only using fasting as a way to support healthy aging, but also looking for potential ways it might impact uh, disease progressions. But I think we have a lot more to do in those areas. I think a lot more research needs to be done before we jump in and fully embrace that as one of the standard treatment. So, okay, we, we've covered a lot here. Um, I, I have to ask you now, how, so somebody can actually go to your website and or, like, what is the food? What, what is it? Because as a nutritionist, I'm always yeah. going to ask, what do you get? 
Yeah. So it's a five-day uh, meal plan. So okay. Every day, everything you need to eat is included in the box. All you need to do is add water. So that will makes it very simple. I mean, the soup you do have to heat it up, but you just add water. Okay. So it has bars, has soups, has uh, has actually an L drink, especially formulated uh, uh, solution in there that helps to preserve your your lean body mass. But uh, but it's it's really. In a way, you don't have to go shop. You don't have a shopping list. Everything you need in those five days is included in that meal plan for you. Wow, that's pretty simple, pretty simplified, and it's clean, right? Like the actual products Absolutely. that you're getting is clean. Yeah, I think clean eating is is the top three um, you know, food qualities people are looking for. These days is absolutely there's no artificial preservatives in in, in the the FMD kit. We call the FMT uh, FMD kit uh, by the name Prolon P R O L O N. Okay. And that is the product that's been uh, now uh, been used in over twelve countries and uh, and over uh, thirteen thousand clinicians are prescribing to their patients as well. So we have a lots of experience and over. Uh, a million product has been sold uh, uh, all around the world. Yeah, this is international, right? Because I do have this listeners from yes. everywhere in the world. Now, okay, I'm going to, I think we've, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to talk about? Anything else you'd like to add? Well, maybe just a word of encouragement. I, know, I think uh, for those of you who are on the edge and say, well, should I try fasting or not? I say just jump out, jump into it, yeah. you know, start with, with, uh, with intermittent fasting, you know, starting with a 12-12. If you wanted to try a little longer, get to it. 14 is fine. 14 hours of fasting, 16 hours is fine. And, and maybe just one last uh, um, a tool to introduce here. For those of you who are trying to go through 16 hours of fasting every day and still find yourself hungry in the morning when you wake up and you want to extend the fast, uh, by, by using the same fasting mimicking technology, we also have developed something called the fast bar that you can consume during that time that can help to extend your fasting period. It's the same technology that's in the, in the Prolong FMD kit. So oh. it's all about being pragmatic. It's all about offering solutions to, to our consumers so they can use it to support their, their intermittent fasting or long fasting goals. Oh, I love that. Okay, where can we find you and where can we find out more? Yeah, so if you're interested in the product, it's prolongfmd.com. If you're interested in the fast bar that I just mentioned, you could go to fastbar.com. Now, for the company behind all the research and bring this revolutionary products into the world, it's l-nutra, n-u-t-r-a.com. That is perfect. And I'm going to have all of this in the show notes. And I really want to thank you so much, Dr. Shu, for everything today. You've been a wealth of information. Thank you, Sandy. What a pleasure to share this time with you and your audience. Thanks. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you 
and show you that living in your 40s, 50s, and beyond can be exciting, balanced, and helpful. Bye for now.